Let us pray. God most holy, look with mercy on this your family for whom our Lord Jesus Christ was willing to be betrayed, to be given over into the hands of the wicked, and to suffer death upon the cross. Keep us always faithful to him, our only Savior, who now lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Our focus tonight is on the suffering servant from Isaiah. This is not the first servant of the Lord that we know of, and it's not the last. The Bible talks about many servants of the Lord, even ourselves. We, we hear of people like Abraham, Moses, even the Apostle Paul, who called himself not a servant but a slave even, and who also knew suffering. We consider ourselves servants of the Lord as we now know him and do his will. But no one, none of the greatest servants of the Lord in the Bible, no one today could possibly be like this servant. Isaiah says this servant would act wisely, or as some people translate it, he acts so that he will prosper. You see, this suffering servant was going to succeed at what he was sent to do without fail, not even a possibility of failure. How would he do that? Just as his title suggests, he would suffer. This suffering servant is none other than our Savior Jesus Christ. Look at how he suffered in his mission to rescue mankind as he marched to the cross. We see him flogged to appease the people who wanted to crucify him. He is beaten with a stick, we know. He is slapped. He is spit on. He's jabbed into the head with a crown of thorns. And that's just the second time around. Early in the morning on Friday, we know that he was beaten by the Sanhedrin in the temple for what they consider to be blasphemy. We're even told by Isaiah in what we're about to read that he was marred beyond any human recognition. This was not just a slap in the face that Jesus received when he was taken to the cross and beaten on the way. This was serious. But we'll also hear from Isaiah that it is for this he will be exalted. You see, this is all part of the plan. That the Son of God, Jesus Christ, would come to the world to become one of us so that he could undergo such treatment. This is a plan that's unheard of in human history. This is a plan that's unimaginable in the human mind. It's what Paul calls foolishness in 1 Corinthians. But anybody who doesn't see Jesus all marred and see the glory of God therein, they'll be amazed one day. Isaiah says that this suffering servant is going to shut the mouths of kings. He says one day they, they'll see and know what they didn't understand. You see, Jesus may be all gory and beaten beyond recognition, but one day everyone will see who he is. You and I, we see it through the eyes of faith. We see the suffering servant taking a road meant for him from eternity, a road that's filled with both pain and glory. 
We read from Isaiah chapter 52, verses 13 to 15. See, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. Just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any human being, and his form marred beyond human likeness, so will he sprinkle many nations, and kings will shut their mouths because of him. What they were not told they will see, and what they have not heard they will understand. We now continue with verse 1 of our hymn, hymn 105. Hymn 105, verse 1. This suffering servant would be exalted. But not at that moment. And you wouldn't think it to see him at that moment either. A lot of people didn't. Jesus' own people didn't think this person flogged and beaten and sentenced to death was somebody that would or is worthy to be exalted. Isaiah says that there's nothing just looking at him that would attract us to him. I mean, he was given a criminal sentence. He hung on a cross, bleeding and horrendous, ugly and dying. And the people, they didn't want that. See, his people were looking for a servant who would serve them as they wanted him to. So they rejected him. His own people rejected him. After even seeing him do miracles and to preach and to love everyone, to speak like they've never heard before, to teach things that they've never been taught before. But at this moment, all they know is is that this Jesus went from a baby born in a manger to a great teacher to dying on a cross. Who wants that kind of leader? That's not the way great leaders go. At least not the way Jesus went. You see, leaders gain power. They don't lose it. And when they do, it's going out in a blaze of glory. They dress in fine clothes and linen. They don't dress in a purple cloth to be mocked in and beaten to a pulp. But even today still, people don't understand the power behind that lowly picture. Even today, people wear crucifixes as an adornment, as a lovely piece of jewelry, not truly understanding the terrible picture behind it and yet the 
glory that shines from it. Even today, people reject what he has to offer. They reject what Isaiah calls the arm of the Lord. Real power. Power to save. They reject the one that is meant to be exalted. But you and me, this isn't something to reject. This is our message. This suffering servant and his rejection is what we've gathered around to listen about tonight. This is what we preach to the nations. It's the suffering servant that we look to when we're rejected, just as he was. He's not just somebody that we look up to. He's the Lord that we follow and someone who knows what it's like to suffer and to face pain. And so we can also empathize with him just as he empathizes with us. He's someone who is not just an example. He's the suffering servant. Isaiah 53, 1-3, take 2. He would be exalted. But not at that moment. You wouldn't think it. A lot of people didn't think it at that moment. Many of his own people refused to think at that moment that he was able to or should be exalted. Isaiah says there was nothing that would attract us to him when you looked at him. He had a criminal sentence. He hung on a cross, bleeding and ugly and horrendous. And people didn't want that. His people were looking for something else, a servant who would serve them like they wanted him to. And so they rejected him. They rejected him even after seeing him preach and teach, seeing him do miracles, speaking with authority they've never seen before, having been taught stuff that they've never even been taught before. But all they saw in Jesus at the moment was someone who had been born a baby in a manger to becoming a great teacher to being sentenced to death on a cross. Who wants a leader like that? Leaders don't lose power, they gain it. And if they they do lose power, it's going out in a blaze of glory. They don't dress in purple cloth uh, to be mocked in. They dress in fine clothes and linen to be worshipped and praised in because of their power. They're they're seen as uh, those to be followed. They're not seen as someone who's beaten to a pulp and ready to die. People today still reject the power of that lowly picture of our suffering servant Jesus. You know, many people wear that suffering servant around their necks or on their wrists, that crucifix, without recognizing that love that really is behind what is a torture device. Them is just another piece of jewelry, another adornment. And still wearing that, they reject what he has to offer. What Isaiah calls the arm of the Lord, they reject real power, power to save them. They reject the one that's meant to be humbled. And yet this is our message. This suffering servant and his rejection is why we've gathered to hear about him tonight. You know, it's what we preach to the nations. It's the suffering servant that we look to when we're rejected, just as he was. It's the Lord whom we follow. He's someone who shows us 
what the world will think of us because as we follow him, we too shall be rejected. But he's also someone with whom we can relate. He's someone who can empathize with us because he too has been rejected. He's faced toil and sorrow and suffering. We look at this Jesus on the cross, our suffering servant, and we don't reject him, but we embrace him. We who believe exalt him. We read from Isaiah chapter 53, verses 1 to 3. Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. We continue now with our hymn, hymn 105, verse 2. Hymn 105, verse 2. Why? Why is it that we go against the grain of the world and look at something like Jesus on the cross and exalt him? You see, this is not just an unfortunate event that happened to somebody in history. This is not just somebody we admire as a martyr. This is not just someone that we use as an example. This, Jesus suffered for our sins. Isaiah describes all of us, all of us. He says, we all like sheep have gone astray. Paul even reiterates some of Isaiah elsewhere when he says there's not a single person who does good. Every single person in the world wanders like a sheep away from their protection found in God, away from their their true leader, their creator, the one who loves them. And they wander off and they they get so busy and so into their own ideas and their own ways. They forget where they are and who they should be and they fall into sin. Their defense against the evil one is gone. And they give in to his temptations. They try to fight. Naturally, even you and I try to win our salvation with good works but to no avail. With Jesus, our sins are forgiven and we're brought back. 
You know, when you see someone like Jesus being punished, it's a natural conclusion to come to that this person must have done something wrong. But not him. He was pierced, but for our transgressions. He was crushed, but for our iniquities. The stripes on him brought us peace. We are healed. You know, Luther said that those words, us, our, for us, they should be written and kept in gold. Jesus was punished. Not for himself, but it was for you and for me and for everyone else in this world. This is where the world sees foolishness because while he suffers, we are rewarded. I mean, how crazy is that? How much time do we really think of during the day? How much time do we take to think about Jesus suffering and our reward? Or better yet, how much time do we not take to think about Jesus suffering and our reward? That the suffering servant that we sing about, who stands beyond recognition, was given that sentence that should have been our own. That's pure grace. Nothing but grace from God. The world rejects him. The world sees weakness. The world sees foolishness. But you and I, we see power. We see love and we see grace. We see the wisdom of God who sent his own son to be punished when we did wrong. What a sad sight to see our Savior hanging on the cross on Good Friday. But what a reason to say that this Friday for you and me truly is good. We read from Isaiah chapter 53, verses 4 to 6. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. We continue now with the next verses of our hymn, hymn 105, verses 4 and 6. Verses 4 and 6.
nobody looks forward to punishment. I can't remember a time where I've ever thought to myself that I was glad as a child that my parents took something away or sent me to my room. And I, I can't imagine any child who actually enjoys that. Punishment is not meant to be enjoyed. Punishment is just that. It's punishment. It's meant for us to serve a sentence for our wrongdoings. And when it came to punishment, the Roman cross was one of the worst things that you could imagine. You did not want to be held by the Romans and sentenced to death. It was painful. It was slow. It was assigned to all of those who saw you. It was assigned to show them what would happen if they broke the rules. To be quite frank, you would be completely nuts to volunteer to hang from that. But Jesus did. You know, Isaiah describes him as that sheep going to the shears or to the slaughter a picture that resonated with the Israelites so well. He was the Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world, John said. He was that Lamb of the Passover. He was the one to whom that Lamb was foreshadowing, the one that shed its blood to save the, life of the lives of the people. And so without opening his mouth, he goes. Not reluctantly, not with complaints, but oppressed and afflicted, being silent, knowing his mission, and voluntarily and willingly taking it up. You see, even before you were born, he saw you, and he saw your need, and he filled it. He saw what we should have received, and he took it upon himself. He saw you, and he loved you. The suffering servant was not forced or coerced into anything. He jumped into this head first for you. That suffering part he took as his own choice for you. Even for our transgressions. He went knowing what he was doing, knowing who we were as sinners, knowing that he was going to die. There truly are no words to express how thankful we can be for such amazing grace and love. We read from Isaiah chapter 53, verses 7 to 9. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. We continue with our hymn again, hymn 105, verses 3 and 5. Verses 3 and and five.
you know, it's almost unimaginable about this, even more than the fact that Jesus was willing to do it. It was that his heavenly father was the one that did this to him. This was his plan. Isaiah says it was the Lord's will to crush him and to cause him to suffer for your guilt and for mine. And how does our Lord view that? How does our Lord see how Jesus did? How did the suffering servant do? Perfectly. He was met it with great success. This next passage from Isaiah is really God's point of view. He declares his servant as righteous, even though he bore our iniquities. The servant, though he died, shall not stay dead. Isaiah says that he will see his offspring. He's going to see his days prolonged. He shall live. How does God view this whole plan? He views it as a complete victory. It's a success. Jesus would not remain in the tomb. We mourn certainly in darkness and with black pyramids and in sorrow for his death on Good Friday. But we look forward to the day where we see him out of that tomb once again. Because God saw his plan as a success without a doubt. And more importantly for you and me, this suffering servant would share the spoils with the strong. Or as it's translated elsewhere again, sharing the spoils with the many. That, that's us, that's you, that's me. God has promised us victory through Jesus Christ as our own. We see him here on Friday, and it's sad, but it's necessary. It's a sad day because of why Jesus had to die, because of our sins. But it's also a day of hope built on someone else. It's a day of sure hope built on our suffering servant. It's a day of hope built on Jesus. We read from Isaiah 53, verses 10 to 12, as we finish with our suffering servant. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. This is the word of our Lord. We now continue with the final verse of our hymn, hymn 105, verse 7. 